You're listening to The Red Tales, the Moddy Body Red podcast, which candidly celebrates the messy and iconic parts of our teenage years and our bodies. From juggling changing friendship groups, dealing with first heartbreaks, and waking up to changing body parts, our teenage years are filled with the most defining and often cringeworthy moments of our lives. Luckily, we're not alone. Moddy Body Red is the sustainable, easy-to-use period underwear for tweens and teens. It gives us the best protection against period leaks and stains, so we can ditch pads and get on with living our best lives. I'm Sasha Meany, your host, and every fortnight I'll be joined by a young Aussie who isn't afraid to open up about the all-too-relatable moments from their teenage years and how they lived to tell the tale. My first gynecologist appointment was terrifying. I had so much pent-up anxiety leading up to the appointment that I felt overwhelmed the second I entered the door. I found myself on a cold chair with my legs wide open, all because my period decided to not only be late to the party, it didn't arrive at all. I watched on a small monitor as the shapes and shadows of what was my uterus danced around the screen. I had no idea what was happening or what anything meant. After a few minutes, the doctor looked at me and explained, with the same kind of casualness as a coffee order, that my period wasn't happening because I was producing an excess amount of testosterone. I was so confused. Did this mean I was too manly? Did the chin hair mean something? They went on to explain my production of testosterone was a result of my increasing insulin levels. In order to reduce my insulin, I needed to change my diet. Before I knew it, I was on the other side of the door reading about kale. I'm still working to understand my body, but I'll forever recall that first appointment which reiterated the importance of trusting a gut feeling and finding the right doctor for me. While genital health can always feel slightly awkward, taking the time to consider multiple doctors before deciding who is right for you can fill that space between uncomfortability and surety. Someone who understands this plight all too well is today's guest, Alison. In this episode, Alison shares her first gyno experience. Welcome to the show, Alison Cooper. How are you today? I'm very well. Thank you. (laughs) Good. And we're going to be talking about something that's a little bit awkward, which is your first experience with gynecologists and pap smears and showing your vagina to medical professionals. And so do you want to start by explaining to us a bit about your period experience? Yeah. So um, I've, like in my whole life, I've had painful periods. I like, I remember the first time I ever got my period, I was in, it was year seven. It was pretty early in year seven as well. So Mm -hmm. like, I didn't know my teachers that well. And we were in a tech class and I was just like, like doubled over at the computer with this terrible pain in my stomach. And I was like, what is this? Like, am I sick? Like, what is wrong with me? So I went up to the teacher who was actually a substitute. So it was even more awkward. And I was like, hey, like my stomach is so sore can I please like go to the office I need to go home Mm. she said yeah you look really red and flushed are you okay and I said no like I'm in so much pain so I went to the office and they were like you probably just got a stomach bug or something just go home you'll be fine and I went home and of course like that night I got my first period and then the second time I got it I was at Hamilton Island uh, with my family on a beautiful water holiday where you did lots of swimming. Um, and it was again, really painful, ruined my trip, couldn't get a tampon in. It was just like, 
I'm the so same. Horrible. I can't. I couldn't get a tampon in the first couple of times. It was just the most overwhelming feeling. Yeah, I remember just like crying in the bathroom because my holiday was destroyed because I just had to like sit on the side of the pool while my while my whole family went swimming. Oh, it was no. so sad. Oh. <laughs> and then was it so that was that consistent? Like was it a month later or did it take? That a was while? actually a few months later. Like yeah. my first period came and then months and months and then my second one and then they became pretty regular. Actually, they've mm-hmm. always been regular. Um, and I just thought it was normal to have painful periods because my mom would like I'd literally be up at four in the morning and she'd be doing bicycles with my legs so she'd just be like moving my legs as though I was riding a bike because her mom used to do that for her because it just gets it all moving and it doesn't hurt so bad and I remember she ran out to like an overnight chemist to grab me some painkillers and it was like she was like don't worry this is nothing I used to faint when I was a kid you've got it easy so I just thought it's normal that's, yeah, because that's completely bizarre to me, yeah. like waking up in the middle of the night and seeing your mum there moving your legs forward. Like, to... so I'm like crying, oh, like I'm no. in so much pain. Oh, <laughs> yeah. and you just, and she just thought it was normal too. Yeah, because like I had it, my sister had it, my mum had it, her mum, she just thought it was normal. So she said, don't worry. So all the people that they had been in contact with that had periods. Yeah were just assumed that this pain was normal. So there was no kind of point of comparison. Yeah. And when you're that young, you don't really talk about it with your friends. So I just truly thought totally normal. Everyone deals with this. Oh. And so then how did you find out that it wasn't like normal? So that would have been year 12, like at the end, right at the end of year 12, when I had some like unusual bleeding outside of my period and I went to the doctor Mm. and I was like, what's up with this? There is something wrong. And she's like, we'll do some swabs, but what we, like, what we really need to do is a pap smear. <laughs> so that's when that happened. Right. Um, so that was. Did you know about a pap smear beforehand? I did. So my mom has always been very open with all of that kind of stuff, with periods, with pap smears, whatever. But my like only true understanding of what it was was those I don't know if you remember these ads on TV and it would just be like a video of a woman's lower half, like you couldn't see her face, and she'd be like sitting with her legs together on a chair or on a swing or on a park bench. Oh, it rings a bell, yes. And the whole campaign was it's uncomfortable but, you know, you have to do it because it's really important to get this done all the time because a lot of women put it off because it's uncomfortable. So I was like, oh, this is going to suck. Like I don't want to do it. Mm. Um, And to be honest, it was fine. Yeah. Like awkward for sure because that's like the first time you have to like you know sit down spread your legs and a doctor is looking at everything it feels very invasive (laughs) um yeah but after all that they sent the all of the stuff off all came back normal um so she said I think we need to do some more investigation because that is unusual that you are bleeding when you weren't supposed to be so what we'll do is I will send you for an internal ultrasound (laughs) Um, that freaked me out a bit. So an internal ultrasound is just like an, the same as an external ultrasound, except they have to go up your vagina. Oy. Yeah. So it's like <laughs> a big, long camera. Um, but I also had to get a regular ultrasound. So before you have an ultrasound of your like pelvic, uterus, cervical kind of area, you have to ch- chug heaps of water right. and let it sit for a while so that they can see better or something. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember my appointment was running late and it was just like this horrific like... I need to wee. I don't care about anything else. I just need to wee. Like, I just have to pee. Um, And they're, like, doing the ultrasound and they're pressing on your stomach and you're like, I'm going to wee on this bed. Oh, Um, Please no. And then they let you go to the toilet. 
Um, and then they do the internal ultrasound. Oh, which, at least they didn't do the internal ultrasound while before no, you I the <laughs> not have coped <laughs> at all. Yeah, so they put the gel stuff on it just like they do on the outside and it's they're so lovely mm. and so good about it mm. and it was completely painless, like obviously a little bit uncomfortable. But, mm. yeah, it was Did you watch the ultrasound as you were? Because I watched my ultrasound as they did it and I was like, this is so bizarre. There's- I... I never, I never watch the, I never watch what any doctor is doing ever. I just like look at the paintings in the room, look at the ceiling, think of something else because that's when I start to like, I'm a massive hypochondriac. So I I would look at it and I'd be like, what's that gray spot? Like, what am I seeing? What's this? What's this? Yeah. Um, But as it so happens, she was kind of like, oh, like, you know, there's nothing that you need to worry about on it, Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm going to get someone else to come in and have a little look. And that's when you're like, oh, well, why are you bringing someone else in? So she brought someone else in and they were both having a look. And they, they told me straight away. They were like, we can see some cysts. Okay. Um, it's nothing to, you know, it doesn't look too bad. We'll write everything up in the report for the doctor. You don't need to worry, but we can definitely see something there. Mm-hmm. Which I'll, I guess in two minds about because, first of all, that's scary to be like told. The word cysts is scary. <laughs> right? And, like, you have cysts inside you. And yeah. you're like... You know, at, you know, being, I was, what, 16? Mm. Um, that's terrifying. Mm. But at the same time, I was kind of like, okay, so, like, I'm not making it up. You know, there, there's definitely something going on in my body mm. and it's nice to know that it wasn't just me, like, mm. being silly or something. So, you know, fast forward a week or so, whenever, you know, you have the follow-up appointment with your doctor. Mm. She actually called me. I was at the shops. <laughs> and she said, we've, you know, had a look at it and don't worry, there's nothing sinister, nothing bad. But it does look like you might have something called endometriosis. Right. We'll book an appointment and, we'll, you know, we'll talk about it. And I was like, what mm. is endometriosis? That sounds bad. Mm. Um, so I remember, like, I asked my mum to come with me to the next appointment because, you know, when you go to an appointment and it's for something not so good and you're not really taking in that information? You're not in the right headspace. I Like, same here, if I have a bad appointment or a bad meeting that needs to be done I just need to have someone in the other room so that if I leave and I faint there'll be somebody to like pick me up and at least get me home safely because yeah it can be really overwhelming yeah to um and it's the thing is it's not bad news it's just unfamiliar news yeah and I didn't know what it would entail I didn't know what kind of things I would need to like the questions I need to ask like Mm. I don't like leaving not asking all the questions I want Um, and it was really good she came because my doctor sort of said, you know, how painful are your periods? And I said, oh, you know, they're sore. Uh, You know, isn't everyone's, isn't, doesn't everyone have that? And she said, does it cause you to miss work or school? And Mm. I said, oh yeah, like every time I get it, I have to go home from school or like I I would have to take a whole morning off and just lie down and deal with it. Um, and she said, you know, that's not really normal. Um, we, you know, that's not something we class as a normal period and probably needs investigation. And then she asked the same questions of my mom, and my mom was kind of like, "Hearing oh, all of this yeah. for the first time." And she was like, "Oh, like I thought that was fine, you know. I used to collapse and I got really sick." And she was like, "Okay, this makes a lot of sense because endometriosis is essentially like it's just tissue growing where it's not really meant to be, mm. in short. Um, and it's not; it can't actually be confirmed if you have it until you get a little surgery. Mm. Um, so my case." 
is we don't know if I have endometriosis. It's just something that they think is probably most likely based on those scans. Yeah. Um, But there's no confirming it. And I think, like, I don't want to speak as though I have the most painful periods because endometriosis can be, like, truly debilitating mm. for a lot of people. And I wouldn't say, like, for me, the the most debilitating it's ever been is just needing to take the morning off, mm. put some heat packs, packs on my stomach, take some painkillers and lie down. Like, that's mm. it. It's not ruining my life. Um, but it was really interesting to have that conversation with my doctor and my mom and us all kind of having this realisation of we've probably all had this right. and perpetuated this idea of it's totally normal to have to take days off school and work because yeah. your stomach hurts so bad. <laughs> In high school, did they ever have conversations about periods so that was like, because you, you only found out in year 12, which is a really long way off from when you first got it. So in school, I would assume that there was some kind of education around your period. Did they not mention these kinds of things or what were your conversations about period like in a school setting? Yeah. So the school I went to, I'd say was like pretty like liberal, pretty open about all that stuff. Like, but I don't ever remember having the conversation of like the kinds of complications that you can have with your period Mm. and that, that endometriosis is the thing. And that there's, there's, you know, polycystic ovary syndrome and there's all these things that can affect your period that was not part of our formal education and was also just not even part of conversations we had at lunch or you know casually with our teachers or anything um I remember my friends kind of being like oh nah might get painful periods but I guess I'm just lucky you know I didn't really have any other friends so true because in my head that is the rhetoric it's oh I'm just lucky I don't get painful periods. I'm very lucky in that way. Kind yeah, of thing. it's almost like it's normal to get painful periods. Lucky you if you don't. Yeah. Um, which is not really the case. It's I'd say it's normal to get like mild, you like a little bit of pain, but like to the point where you have to miss activities. Yeah. Um, I think that was being normalized, and it wasn't. And I've had this underlying thing that just was sitting there for so long and mm. there was just like there was a solution for it. I think, yeah, the important thing is if you are feeling a discomfort, if you are feeling like this is getting in the way of your day-to-day, it's something that you need to bring up with your GP. And I, I don't what kind of doctors did you have in that period of figuring out what was going on in your body? Was it your family GP or yep? Yeah, so it was my family GP, who I've had since I was four or five years old like we have followed that doctor around Sydney (laughs) because she's so fantastic like I have a lot of trust and I feel so incredibly lucky that Mm. I have a GP that I can trust that much because I have friends who are kind of like I've been to some GPs and they've sort of written me off or I didn't really trust them but I've never felt the need to even get a second opinion with her which is you know really lucky um but it actually, she then was sort of like, well, this is not in my field anymore. I'm going to refer you to a gynecologist. Okay. So I went to this gynecologist and I thought, great, she'll have a look at me. She'll look at my scans. She'll figure it all out. Um, none of that happened. Mm. She just kind of like talked to me about contraception for half a second. It oh. was kind of like, <laughs> yeah. bye. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, it wasn't. It felt. She felt super dismissive, like, Mm. Um, because that is the common well from what I've heard of people with severe period pain is to go on the pill which does help in some instances Mm -hmm. but not in all yeah so that's what I did yeah and it helped for me but like it's not a fix all like it's sort of it's very much depends on your situation what you need and I found that that gynecologist was just so dismissive of Mm. everything I said and was pretty much just like well you know 
you're just going to have to deal with it kind of thing. Um, which was really an interesting experience considering I'd had such a good time with my family doctor. Yeah. And it's it's hard because obviously GPs have really good relationships with other medical professionals. That's when you get referrals, you're hoping for the same of the same kind of care, like same kind of consistent care, but that's not always the case. Mm. So after that, did you go back to the GP and ask for a different referral or how did you go about finding a gynecologist that suited you? Well, I actually just, in the end, I just kind of was like, oh God, the gynecologist doesn't seem like the place I want to go. And I left it because I was young and I was like, at that age where I was, you know, starting to want to go to these appointments on my own because mm. you don't really want your mum sitting there while the doctor's putting a speculum up your vagina <laughs> and looking at everything. Yeah. Um, so I think that, the like, I just didn't have the confidence to get used to the idea of, like, saying, no, I'm not comfortable with this doctor. I want to mm. try a different one. And that idea of finding a doctor that suits you and that you trust and that you work well with because it is a relationship mm. and... I think when you're that age and you're kind of first navigating that world of finding a doctor that's good for you, you don't realise that you it's well within your rights and no doctor's going to get upset or offended if you say, I actually want to go and see another doctor. Yeah. Um, It's a normal thing to do. It's a normal thing to do. There are plenty of patients and there are plenty of different bedside manners uh, in health professionals that you just need to find the right one for you. Hmm. And this is kind of off topic, but like for an example, my mum loves people who have a sense of humour, whereas I like people who will give me kind of an action plan. My mum doesn't want an action plan. She just wants somebody to laugh at it with her so that she feels less stressed out about it. Um, but it takes a long time to figure out what you like and how like and where where those people are. And like you said, your GP doesn't always refer you to somebody who is similar to them in in bedside manner like you just got to keep looking around yeah and I think that's what it is like you know all of these doctors are qualified it's not like we need to worry that they don't know what they're talking about but like absolutely that it's the bedside manner it's the way that they're gonna talk to you and treat you and do you want someone that's really calm and really kind or do you want someone that's more to the point or you know like and I think that that gynecologist was honestly just different from what I was used to and I didn't like it and Mm. like I walked away from that Mm -hmm. and you know I'm really lucky that I haven't had too many ongoing problems with it. It's very manageable mm. um, just with some medication. And, like, I st- you still have pain, but mm. it's not, like, it's not debilitating anymore. Yeah, yeah. And I cannot believe that I waited that long <laughs> to just go and ask my doctor. Yeah, of course. And with the first um, the first pap smear, so you would have probably been one of the first in your group of friends to go and do it. Am I correct in saying that? Yeah. Yeah. And... What were your expectations going in? Oh, I thought it was going to, like, I suppose you could compare it to a COVID test if sure. anyone's ever had one of those. <laughs> Weird analogy. But you're kind of trying to imagine, like, what is it going to feel like when this swab is stuck to a place that I've never felt anything yeah. get stuck before? You know, like, because had, I had to get a COVID test and uh, I was kind of like, I have no idea. Like, I can't prepare myself for this no. because I cannot comprehend what it feels like to have someone touch that far up my nose. You also, yeah, you don't don't know that those parts of your body exist no. until somebody, like, jabs them and, and you're, you're like, like, whoa. Oh, that's what it feels like. <laughs> uh, so I was kind of like, because they get right up to your cervix and, they, yeah. you know, and that's kind of a place that never you can't reach it, you can't see it, you can't touch it, so you don't know what that feels like. Yeah. Um, and I re- it, so I was like, this is going to be painful, it's going to be invasive and embarrassing and, you know, all this stuff. But the doctors are so, like, whatever about yeah. it. They, they do this 
like probably so many times per day mm. um and she was so good about it mm. um it, they're very good about having your privacy you you know pull up the curtain put this like little sheet over you right um so no one sees it per se like, not really or the part that we're worried about which is the outside, the outside. part <laughs> not really and they're just not e- that's not even on their radar like because yeah. they're not even looking at that they and they're looking at the screen <laughs> just like they're what's just going like, on whatever so yeah, and they, it was fine. It just felt like I would describe it as like a like a mild cramping kind of okay because it is touching those areas. That area, um, but it was so nothing. But it wasn't unbearable. Absolutely, like so far from unbearable. It was fine. Did like, you have any? Well, I mean, if it was fine, but did you have any kind of tips while you were doing it? Like, did you like focus on your breathing or look at the posters as you mentioned before about the yeah so what my doctor definitely helped me focus on my breathing she's like just breathe in and I'm gonna because they put a speculum in which mm-hmm. is just this kind of l- scary looking but fine tool that they put in to open you up a bit so they yeah. can see properly and it's got a light on the end of it so they can see what's going on right and you have to put your feet up in stirrups right so you, you you're very like exposed yeah and I think that's the bit that is the most scary mm. and unfamiliar. Um, but once it's all in and they're kind of doing the swab, they are so calm, professional, and, like, just chill about it that you don't worry about that anymore. You're just kind of, like, focusing on breathing, so taking deep yeah. breaths. And I always, like, doctor's offices always have posters or pictures, same as the dentist, for that reason. Like yeah. they've got nice things on the walls so that you don't have to think about what's going on. Yeah. And then it's so quick and it's over and then done. Yeah. Is it particularly quick, would you say? Um, it's fairly quick, yeah. Yeah. Like it, it, kind of like the COVID test where it is, yeah, it's literally like in and out. Yeah. It's a little bit longer than the COVID test because yeah. I have to put you up in stirrups and put the speculum in and open them up. But the actual swab is like as quick as a COVID test. It's just like a couple seconds swab out. And yeah. then they pull everything out and then it's done. And do you have with your doctor a kind of schedule of how often you go and check just to make sure that everything is, you know, fine, you know, those kinds of things? Yep. So at the start I did. So yeah. we would do like just for a month or so every couple of weeks just to check how I was feeling on this new pill, on yeah. the medication. But after all that, I said, it's working. Like I, Great. it's my, my cramps are nowhere near as bad. I don't have to take the day off school. And yeah. that's when she was kind of like, well, it seems like we've got a good solution for now. for now. Yeah. So let's keep going with that. And if we ever need to reassess, just come and see me. I think that's so important is to check in with yourself and, you know, if everything seems fine for now and then it eventually stops working, that's that's normal. Like your body is continuing to change. You're never going to find your forever body. Yeah. <laughs> Do you I think know that's, what I mean? that's really important because like, your body changes all the time. Even when you think, great, I'm like 22 now, it's not going to do it. Yes, it will. Yeah. It's like going to keep changing and some pill you're on a year ago might not work for you anymore. And I, I think it's just like listening to your body and – like not being worried about going to the doctor with a minor problem. Mm. Like if you notice something changes and it's bothering you, just go and ask them because every single time I'm like, I feel so silly asking about this. I don't want to go. And then I go and they're so kind about it. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, it was really good that you came and checked. Yeah. Let's fix it, you know? Yeah. Well, that's so great. Thank you so much for sharing um, your experience and and for helping us understand self-love for your own body (laughs) check-ins. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) 
Nobody's ideal day includes a visit to the doctor's office with their legs spread open, but a pap smear is a moment of uncomfortability that can save a life. Let's break it down. A pap smear or pap test is a medical test that helps doctors figure out if there are any problems with a person's cervix, the lower part of your uterus that opens into the vagina. The importance of the pap smear is in the early detection, before there are any symptoms. Finding abnormal cells early can lead to the treatment that prevents the development of cancer, and detecting cancer cells early enough can lead to a greater chance of a cure. If you're under 21, you don't need to get a pap smear unless your GP thinks something is wrong. Once you turn 21, it's recommended to have a pap smear test at least every three years. Always consult your GP or medical professional to know what is right for you. The pap smear shouldn't hurt, but it might be uncomfortable. The good news is it's over quickly. Before you book, try not to schedule your appointment during your period. If it's unavoidable, that's okay. However, a period-free day is best, as it makes the exam easier for both you and your doctor. So what happens once you're booked in? First things first, those pants come off and your doctor will instruct you to lay on your back and put your feet up in the examination table stirrups. Your doctor will then prepare and insert the speculum, which is an instrument that holds your vaginal walls apart so that the cervix is seeable and reachable for your doctor. To ensure there's no friction or pain, your doctor will use lube so that the speculum will slide into place easily and as gently as possible. And when not opened, the speculum is a bit bigger than a tampon. Once inserted, there will be a slight pressure in that area. But just keep relaxing and it will be fine. Then, using an instrument called a spatula, a small flat scraping device, or a brush with soft bristles, your doctor will take samples of your cervical cells from the cervix's walls. It doesn't hurt, but again, the sensation will be a little odd. After the samples are collected and transferred and the speculum is removed, you're all done. Your doctor will give you a chance to clean up and get dressed again before your appointment resumes. Be sure to check with your doctor about when to expect the results of your pap smear. Remember, pap smears are uncomfortable, but they don't last long and are an important preventative health measure. Thanks for listening to The Red Tales, the Moddy Body Red podcast. If you enjoyed tuning in to today's episode, related a bit too much to the story, or learned something new, please subscribe to our podcast and leave a review. If you're curious about how Moddy Body Red underwear protects you against period leaks and you'd love to give it a try, visit our website, moddybody.com forward slash red. You can even join the Red Squad by signing up on our website to receive exclusive VIP offers. Because you've tuned into our podcast today, we're giving you a special offer that's exclusive only to our podcast listeners. Simply use our special code podcast and you'll get a 10% discount on any red product, excluding bundles. Lastly, to keep up with all things red, make sure to follow us on Instagram at moddybody underscore red. Remember, life is messy, but your period doesn't have to be. Hold up. 